Hello and welcome to Your Intention Matters, the podcast. My name is Paul Madot. Thanks very much for taking the time to join us today. I have Noreen Brown. She is Vice President of Sales at NextGen Healthcare, coming to us live from beautiful Denver, Colorado. Noreen, how are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me today. Listen, I am thrilled that you're here because you shared with me before I hit record that this is your first podcast. It is. I've listened to one of yours prior, and this will be my first podcast that I have been on, a guest on, and and I've only listened to one before. I'm excited that you've brought a new world to me, Paul. Well, I, I'm thrilled to be a, a part of this, and so thanks very much for, for making the time. And uh, so let's get into it then. Um, so, Noreen, let's start with uh, how are you doing right now? We're middle of May, and uh, the world's in you know kind of a unique time at the moment. And so, um, how are you doing with COVID? How's your family? How's your team? Uh, and how are you uh, how are you hanging in there? You know, thank you for asking. Everything is really quite good. Uh, it's a weird time, and I think all of us wake up every day wondering when things are going to be different and that this might be a dream. And then we realize it's not uh, a bad dream, but my family is safe. Uh, we've had some impact of COVID um, in my extended family, which has been difficult, but um, generally speaking, everybody's great. And I'm with my children and my husband here in Denver and you know, uh, all is well. With work, we are super busy. We have, um, NextGen Healthcare has a virtual visit platform and we have a way to help providers right now connect with their patients and continue the care that there is so important, not just for COVID, but right, all the care that people need, diabetics, um, you know, high blood pressure, mm. people that need ongoing care are avoiding that right now. So the virtual visit is a very important thing. And um, so we've been really busy selling and uh, enjoying that. Um, but using using our platform, hopefully, to help impact COVID in a positive way has been, you know, a bit of a silver lining. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad to hear on the personal front that you and your family are, are hanging in there and everybody seems to be okay. And hopefully, you know, we are getting through this, hopefully, and uh, we're all in this together. So uh, I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. So, you know, the title of the podcast is Your Intention Matters, and that's because Nothing's really given to any of us. And if you are intentional about something, you usually will find a way to create it. And so um, let's get into it. You ready to go? I am. All right. University Minnesota Twin Cities. You yes, are sir. a student there. You're going down the communications broadcasting path. Mm -hmm. um, I have to know, how did you get into sales? What did you think you'd be doing when you graduated? What was your vision You know, back in the day? So um, interestingly enough, I was the first person in my family to go to college. And I, frankly, I, I went to the University of Minnesota because I, I decided I would run, you know, I got an offer to run track there. So I decided, okay, well, I'll, I'll go to college. And I knew I was going to go to college, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And it took me five years to get out. I redshirted my freshman year of track because of uh, injury, really, and then um, pursued you know, a, a number of different things before landing on communications and broadcasting. I thought I was going to host the news. Uh, that was my intention. I wanted to, to do that. 
I did do an internship at Minnesota News Network back in the day. And um, I enjoyed that quite a bit, but really the money wasn't there. I mean, I was graduating from college and you know, most people were talking about $11,000 a year and you worked 50 to 60 hours a week, which now is a light week, uh, but, um, and you'd be in South Dakota. And that just didn't sound that good to me. So um, I started to think about, well, what else could I do? And so I, I really hadn't even thought of sales yet then. What I decided to do was instead of be a ski bum for a year and just take a year off after college is to travel, but to do it via working for an airline for a few years. So I did that and um, that was a lot of fun, but I knew that was gonna be short term. So the vision of replacing Dan Rather on the six o'clock news ended you know, fairly quickly as you graduated. Uh, you were also a DJ uh, in campus. How was that? That was super fun. And I will tell you, fun fact, I am still a DJ, my friend. I, uh, I DJ my kids' hockey games. So I've got thousands of songs and I am like, I'm rolling at the games. Um, so sidebar. So if you come to the University of Colorado Boulder, you will hear me DJ sometimes. And if you come to Shattuck St. Mary's, you will hear me DJ. So uh, where my two kids are. But um, I did that for the campus radio station and it was alternative rock, which wasn't my favorite, but I did come to appreciate it a bit. And then I did some, they would hire us out to do parties and stuff. And so I, I really enjoyed that, but it wasn't nearly as cool then as it is now to be a DJ. So, you know, I'm, I'm living that lifestyle now when I go to my hockey games. Well, next time I stop in Denver, I'll have to make sure that I do maybe spend an extra day to find some time to get to your, uh, your kid's game and listen to you uh, with, the, with the headset on and, and away you go. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so you, so you start your career, you get into the travel industry. Uh, what were you doing and for how long? Yeah, so I started off uh, doing the very awesome, fun travel job of being a flight attendant. And, um, and then I quickly got into a few years after that, you know, I just kind of craved more um, in terms of just doing something else that would help the broader group. And um, so I ended up being a trainer and it was really around customer support, not so much flight attendant stuff, but really all folks that dealt with customers, uh, frontline employees. So that was ticket agents, gate agents, um, flight attendants, and anyone else that might be working with customers. And that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I started to write some programs and, and take it into new and different directions. But again, you know, there wasn't a ton of money there either. So there's a theme here. I wanted to make more money and have a little more financial freedom. And so finally I left and, and got into sales shortly thereafter, about five or six years in. Was that a long thought process to make the decision to, to uh, shift careers or was it a pretty simple one for you? How did that happen? Well, I will say I, um, I left Minnesota as soon as I graduated from college, partially because of my job. They kind of deploy you wherever they want in, in an airline. But I also was ready to, to go find uh, warmth and uh, somewhere different to live and try to live somewhere else. My family, when I was growing up, my father was in the military, so we moved a lot. I was used to that, that didn't bother me. So I moved seven times before settling here in Denver and um, tried a lot of things, East Coast, West Coast, South, um, and landed in Denver and, and this is my home, this is where I was supposed to be. But I, um, I, I did the flight attendant and training thing and then pivoted into sales and uh, you know, enjoyed moving around 
and I really found just um, in, in the back of my mind, I always knew when I found my permanent home that I would find my permanent type of work. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's easy when you work for an airline to move and to be fluid and where you're trying to figure out where you're going to live. And until I found Denver, um, I really didn't have this thought of what's my real career going to be. I always felt like that was a good start, but I knew that that was my sort of junior role, if you will. And I knew when I made that transition, found where I was going to stay. And maybe it was because I tied it to like, I was going to have an office and I needed to be a part of a, a, a building, you know, and go to an office. That wasn't at all the case, quite frankly. Um, but I finally made the jump to sales right when I found my permanent home here in Denver. And, and when was this and with whom? Um, so my first job in sales was with a company called Vital Signs in Totowa, New Jersey. And they sold anesthesia and respiratory products um, and this was probably, let's see, that would have been 1997. Okay. All right. So late nineties. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so you, you, your first career was actually in healthcare sales and mm -hmm. did you enjoy it right away? Was it like, oh my God, get me out of here. Like, what was it like? Yeah. Um, you know, it was funny. I, I was with McKesson a very long time, which is another healthcare company. And when I first jumped into wanting to be in healthcare sales, my first interview was with McKesson, but I didn't get the job the first time. And I went through a very extensive process with them and including interviewing some of their folks and, and actually stack ranking them and telling the people who were interviewing me why I stack ranked them the way I did. Mm. And I thought that was kind of a weird thing to do, honestly, but but it did help me to iron out what was it that I was seeing in this person that they could then know, okay, well, she gets what a good salesperson does or doesn't have, right? So, um, so I went through this very ornate process. I had to write a book report. At the time, I didn't even own a computer. So I had to pay somebody to type it for me. I remember that. And I wasn't a great typist. I am now. Um, but I had to do some weird things really to get the job. I didn't get the job the first time. They hired a gentleman with 10 years sales experience selling capital equipment. And I understood why, frankly. Um, and they said, why don't you go out and get a starter job? And so I interviewed with Vital Signs and I got the job right away. And the funny thing is I'd never been in healthcare sales, right? And so the guy who hired me at Vital Signs says to me, you know, I think you're too experienced for this role. And I was like, well, that's weird because I didn't get the last role because I had no experience. And now I'm too, he's like, well, I can tell that you really are going to be a very strategic salesperson. And I'm just worried that you're going to, you're not going to enjoy this for very long. And what's interesting is seven months after I started with Vital Signs, and they were a great company. They, they were very kind to me. I learned a lot. I got a call back from McKesson and they said, we made a mistake. We hired the wrong guy. And so, um, they asked me to meet for dinner and there was steaks and wine. And um, before I was, you know, clamoring to get the job and now they were whining and dining me literally. And uh, it was awesome. So I started with McKesson seven months after starting in healthcare sales and quickly became one of their top salespeople. It was a lot of fun and we sold robots into hospital pharmacies. And, and that, that's a pretty cool story that it happened that way that you didn't have to source them again, but rather 
Unfortunately for them, they made the wrong choice. In the end, it worked out for everybody because even the person I, I'm assuming they hired, it worked out for that individual as well because if after seven months it wasn't the right fit, then it wasn't the right fit. So it worked out in the end anyways. And so yeah. your tenure at McKesson was multiple years, right? Yeah, I was there 17 years. I left for about three in the middle um, but I was there a very long time. There's five different business units within McKesson that I worked for. And um, it was a really great experience because I always had that, you know, safety of the big organization where I knew a lot of people, but I would get tapped to go into a new BU and help them in some way. And so my career continued to expand and grow. And I became a, a leader of teams um, and just got more and more complex opportunities and, and bigger roles as, as things uh, progressed in my career there. And, and it was a really great 17 years. So 17 years, is, it's, a, it's a long haul with one organization, appreciating that you had a, you know, a pause in there for two or three years as well. But you don't really see that loyalty today uh, on both sides of the coin, quite frankly. A lot of companies are not as loyal to employees for that period of time. And a lot of employees just have an itch after two or three years or four years. And so um, your decision to, to leave in the middle, um, what can you share with me uh, about that? Was that, uh, did you raise your hand? Did somebody t uh, raise your hand at the time? How did you, uh, come, about, how did you come about leaving? It was interesting because um, there were some things going on within the organization that were changing. And I had a, a friend of a friend who um, was pursuing a new VP to run a division of their company at a company called Cardiac Science. And the gentleman was very convincing and I enjoyed our conversations a lot, thought that I could do what he needed me to do in terms of coming in and building the team um, but getting them to be more uh, effective in what they were doing and perhaps even with less people. And, um, and so I was really excited about the opportunity, but I was very loyal to McKesson and I wasn't thinking of leaving. Quite frankly, uh, I went to a national sales conference and um, there were some strange things that happened <laughs> that just sort of made me decide to be open to it. And, and I said, gosh, you know, maybe I should be open to this. Why not? You know, it, it seemed like a very good time to, to think about it at the start of a new year. And this company pursued me very, very diligently. And, and they seemed very high integrity and like the kind of place I could go and, and really leave my mark in a positive way. And so I, I went to cardiac science and, and it was great until, boy, it was pretty quick. Maybe a month or two in the CEO who was my boss called me and said, you know, we had uh, an FDA issue, which frankly wasn't because the product was bad. It was just um, kind of caught up in an FDA process, but it really took us in a whole different direction. And so it was a couple years before we ultimately had to sell a very old um, US-based company who had been very successful for many years to a, uh, another country's uh, a group. And um, we, you know, kind of got discombobulated and I found myself without a job a couple years in and then eventually made my way back to McKesson. Honestly, they had called a few times. Some of the executives that I'd worked with had called a few times. So I decided to go back home, um, frankly, and all of it was for, you know, really great experiences 
but ended up back at McKesson and, and had another good run there for several more years until I left about a year ago. And, and how long were, did you find yourself out of work? You know, I immediately um, started a consulting group for myself, really, and uh, started helping companies that needed some process and structure for their sales team. And so I did that while I was looking for my permanent home. And I tried a startup in there. That was a year, um, a, a little company called Permanova. It was a fun little company. It was a SaaS-based cardiovascular software company. Um, the gentleman who was the mastermind behind it is an amazing um, EP in the world of cardiology. His name's Dr. Gregory Feld, and he's at the University of California, San Diego. So that was a great learning opportunity, but there was a lot about a startup that probably wasn't great for me. Um, and, and mostly, you know, when you don't have any idea really fiscally what's happening in the company, that was just probably an area of discomfort for me. Um, ultimately, that was kind of the reason that we got dismantled. And I had recruited some friends and, and former colleagues to work with me, and we were actually making some hay, but then we realized that the product wasn't totally ready for prime time, and it was just probably too soon for a sales team to be associated with the organization. And ultimately, I think they, they have a totally different product now, and they might be called something else, but they're not selling the cardiovascular software system that we were well, I imagine when you put so much into an effort like that, that must have been uh, a tougher pill to swallow to come to the realization, okay, we, we need to move on from this. And uh, after, you know, rolling your sleeves up and, you know, really going all in with it. But the good news is, is that you, it sounds like you left McKesson the first time uh, the right way. And, yep. and, and you left with some credibility to the point where they were very open to bringing you back in. And mm -hmm. so what was your second uh, stint like for how long were you at McKesson the second go around? Yeah, so um, I went back into McKesson and I would say, gosh, it was probably around seven or eight years un until just a year ago. And I, I came back into the group that I actually had started with, but had been in a couple of business units before leaving and then had a turn in two more different business units within McKesson before I left. And I will say every single one of my roles, Paul, I was never applying for a promotion, they came to me and asked me, which was obviously very nice. And it's a great way. It's an interesting thing when you think about men and women, and they always say men are, be, are, are much more apt to apply for something before they're even ready. Um, and, you know, they'll jump in and say, hey, promote me. And then women tend to sit back and allow their work to speak for them. I don't know if that's true. I see both uh, men and women in both of those buckets, right? For me, I personally let my work do the talking and I wanted to promote my team and, and develop um, leaders behind me. And that's an important part of who I am. And I really felt like if your team is performing at their max, you know, inevitably you'll be successful, right? So that was just, that's how I work. That's how I still work. That's how I've always worked. And, um, and I think that building teams has been something that I've shown to be uh, successful at, and I really enjoy it um, because people are, to me, the most important resource you can have at a, at a company, but they, they aren't the only resource. 
Um, and that's what I learned at the startup, right? <laughs> True, but now, but now not everybody has that outlook that you have regarding that the, the most important asset and the most important resource really are the people. And so where does that come from? I'm not exactly sure, to be honest. I think, um, you know, just looking at overall, looking at how I was raised uh, and how I've always worked, um, I've enjoyed, you know, uh, hard work and, and interacting with people no matter what. But I think what I started to learn as a leader is the more I put into them, the more they would put out for the organization. And that we together, I don't ask anybody to do anything that I wouldn't myself do. Um, and maybe that is that work ethic that my parents put inside of, of my mind early. Um, I started working when I was 13. I just, you know, I just always really liked to be, have that productive feeling. Um, but it really became over time obvious to me that it was all about the people because without that, what else do you have? Uh, and, and you sit in a situation like this with COVID, right? And and we're all kind of on our little island with our families. And that's the silver lining is the time with our families that maybe we wouldn't all get. Some people maybe are getting a little bit too much time with their families. But honestly, for me, being able to have conversations over WebEx or Zoom, um, whether it's streaming a class with my workout friends, you know, in my in my favorite workout, or whether it's having business interactions, or even you know the the evening cocktail parties that people seem to be having over Zoom right now, it's just connecting with people, and that's always been really important to me. Um, and and I I just don't see that ever ever leaving. Uh, Noreen, I I so appreciate that you've taken the time to to share your story here. It's a pretty cool one that you start with you know, communications and broadcasting, and you quickly realize, all right, that's, it's not going to get the life that I want, even though I might have an interest in it. And then you convert that into a career in, uh, you know, um, travel, and you got to see some pretty cool places. And but then you realize, oh, that's not for me either. And I can't really sustain the lifestyle I want. And you find healthcare sales and a long run, a couple different companies and great success from individual contributor to manager to VP. And sounds like you've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, any advice for anybody listening, either personal or professional, if anybody came to you looking for one piece that maybe has worked for you over the years, what might you share? It's a great question. Um, you know, when I look at my most recent position at McKesson and, and you and I talked about this, uh, when we, before we started rolling or taping, um, I ran oncology in my last role with McKesson and um, am now still, you know, addressing some oncology practices, but working in more multi-specialty. Um, for me, you know, always having a passion for what you're doing is so important. And uh, being able to feel excited about going to work every day is really important to me. And, um, and the people, of course, are a lot of that. And then also the industry. I mean, for me, healthcare has been incredibly interesting, whether that's been in the OR when I first started selling the anesthesia stuff, all the way through you know, the oncology practices and now multi-specialty um, pharmacies that I've worked in, hospitals that I've worked in, um, in terms of selling different products. And, and I really can't see being anywhere other than healthcare. And I told you a story uh, briefly about my journey, um, healthcare journey. 
And I would say, so it's been six years. And I, I found um, six years ago, I was in a, a, a new role within McKesson. I had been asked to be the national VP of sales for McKesson Pharmacy Systems, which is a, is a software group within McKesson selling into independent pharmacies across the nation. And um, I was maybe in it, boy, a week or two, and I had some interesting symptoms. And I told my boss at the time, who I'd known a long time from McKesson, uh, I said, hey, you know, I think I'm going to have to go in and have a test or two. Um, and, and basically, I was not 50, and I needed a colonoscopy, according to my general practitioner. And I went in and had it and found out I had colon cancer. And that was such a surprise because no one in my family has ever had cancer, uh, maybe a couple of few distant aunts. Um, but I really got to see the health system from purely a, a patient's view, which of course we all have, you know, we have babies, we have, you know, annual exams, things like that. But this was a, an acute thing. And this was a life or death thing. And I will say when it's life or death, it's different. And you become probably someone that you're not even normally. I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm overly analytical, but I can tell you when that happened, I wanted to know everything going on. I wanted to know all of my results. I wanted to understand what the best course of action was. And, and so going through that process, I had the most beautiful experiences with family, friends, and colleagues that just solidified my thinking about how incredibly important the people in your life are, whether that's the people you're working with, whether it's a short-term engagement, you know, maybe, maybe you end up working with somebody for a little while, but you can have a long-term impact on their life with a short amount of time together. And I think for me, I realized at that moment how much these people meant to me and that, you know, they were really what was um, keeping me so feeling, feeling so loved during such a dark and scary time. Again, COVID's a kind of a scary time. Um, but I feel good because again, I've got these wonderful people around me. I'm able to work with my team every day. Our customers are helping patients every day. And there's just like a really great feel good about that. So when you ask, what is it that I would say to somebody trying to get into sales leadership or move forward in their career um, or what I tell the people that are that I work with or that I have worked with that I mentor or you know want to help in some way it's to find that passion within you in what you're doing and if you're not doing something that you enjoy you probably need to go either to a different company or maybe a different industry but to really get the best out of your team you all need to be in it together and, and that's exciting and it's fun and it's contagious and it becomes bigger than any one piece of that whole group, right? One person doesn't, doesn't make up the inner energy that comes from a whole group thinking in like terms and getting people excited about what you're doing. Well, well said, really. And congratulations on you being able to, uh, you know, get through that because, you know, I, I, I've never experienced it, but I lost my stepfather to cancer and I know how brutal that is and I can't help but think more than a few people listening have either maybe experienced it themselves or certainly have maybe lost family members or loved ones or friends that uh, you know to any version of cancer as well so congrats on being able to push through and it sounds like you're health wise you're good today 
totally good. Yeah, perfect. Yep. Very, okay, very blessed. Thank good. you. Okay, absolutely. Well, listen, I appreciate you you freeing up the time. Sincerely, I've enjoyed speaking with you. One final question. Um, Wolf Blitzer calls you up and says, hey, I'm looking for a replacement. Do you take that call? You always have to take the call. <laughs> you always have to take the call. I mean, there's a part of me, right, when I would watch Oprah or, and I was thinking, man, I can, you know, I want to do that. So you never know. There might be a next phase, but uh, for now, You're love good. and sales and uh, going to stay the course. All right, good. Well, again, thanks for being here. And everybody, thanks so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you've enjoyed this one as I have. Uh, remember, everybody, that your intention matters because that's the result that you'll tend to get. We're out of here and uh, we'll do it again next week. Be safe, everybody. <laughs>